0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Philosophy Rekindled with our focus book, the 1920 published version of Tertium Organum by Peter Espensky. Today we are discussing Chapter 21. This is Part 1. You will find the audio version of this chapter as an additional audio to this podcast, and you'll also find additional information on our website, philosophyrekindled.com. Today my guest is Peter Lancet, hypnotherapist, author and classic scholar. And I'm Alice Flanagan, fiction author, computer programmer and podcaster. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome Pete. Chapter 21, Pete, I really love this chapter. I'm, I'm so looking forward to the conversation with it. So, uh, are you ready?
1: Yeah, you might not enjoy it so much once we've got started, but let's keep
0: going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I always start on a positive note, and then we, do, we take <laughs> it from there, <laughs> yes. Okay, let's rock All right, and roll. Well... well I love, what I just preface is I love the fact that Aspensky has managed to keep mathematics in in the whole equation, and that was almost a joke. <laughs> but it he was, has, wasn't it? He very has, close. <laughs> very close, getting there. But he has. He's managed to weave his mathematics through like it was full-on at the beginning, and then we, we kind of went into where you would think mathematics wouldn't apply, but no, he's, it's its made an entrance and it's continued, so I, I like that. He starts out with, we've established the laws of mathematics and he's talking in that in this case the first mathematics and the laws of logic and how they relate to the finite world. And he's then further goes on to to reiterate that this is incorrect in the sense that it won't apply to other dimensions. So it's really bolted down to the three dimensional. So he's really just starts out by repeating what chapter twenty covered in great yeah.
1: depth. I mean basically he's just said, hasn't he, in that introduction that what we've already discussed about mathematics not applying uh, beyond the three three dimensional positivist world uh, also applies to logic logic becomes an absurdity when mm. we try to when we when we try to apply the three dimensional logic to the extra world we'll we'll go on to the terminology that he uses which i really love later on the world of causes but we'll we'll talk yes. about that in a minute um but you know i I really like the fact that, yes, we've dealt with mathematics now we're going to deal with logic, and I say that logic and mathematics, certainly in the positive sense, are linked they they're like interlocking fingers they they join together
0: yeah and and I think he does make this distinction. He's got the first mathematics and the Aristotle logic, and then he's got the second mathematics and the logic of. The multi-dimensional world other
1: wo- yeah we'll call it the other world yeah
0: yeah yeah the other world he call- he
1: calls it the other world
0: he does actually he does and yeah, yeah so he's he's making this great distinction and I I, I think it, you know, he does it really well so this concept of absurdities is is really one of his keys because he says as soon as something looks absurd then you're probably on the right track
1: yeah that's the one yeah he says you've reached the point where you're like t- starting to touch on this other world the world of causes whatever you want to call it we'll, we'll go through those every time he comes up with a definition or or a name a numinum
0: a numinum so yeah. uh now we all know that espensky if he capitalizes something or he italicizes something he thinks it's very important so mm. uh moving on to the next page okay. the, the, <laughs> well i've kind of summarized the first page first bit of page so yeah, uh, so he goes on, Spinsky goes on to say, um, as we just mentioned, what is logical in our world is phenomenal. It's, it's logical as far as the phenomenal world's concerned, but it's illogical uh, as far as the uh, numeral world or the world of causes is. And in, in capital letters, he says, everything logical is not of the other world. Not numinal, but phenomenal. That's, that's his big point. That's,
1: that's not how he's put it in my version.
0: Uh, of <laughs> Can you believe <laughs> we've only just started,
1: and, and already there's differences in the in the versions? I
0: say, damn it! Why didn't it, I do the the second I, version? But nonetheless, yeah, well, it's interesting yeah, to see. No, no, look, it's it's
1: it's not that different. It's just it, it, it's just an interesting little change. I mean, the actual line in my book. And it, tell me if this is different. It's, it sounded different. We have no reason whatsoever to hope that the relations of The world of causes, meaning the other dimensions, can be logical from our point of view. On the contrary, it may be said that everything logical is phenomenal. Ah. So in other words, what he's saying is that if we can apply logic to something, then that something must be phenomenal of the positive world.
0: Yeah. That's. Yeah. So that's your clue. Mm.
1: So in other words, if we can apply logic to it, we're not looking at the truth. We're looking at the 3D world, which, as he's going to explain and hammer these points, in, and he does hammer them in, that you are looking at an illusion. You are living an illusion in this 3D world. And he does hammer that through in this whole chapter. If you come away from this chapter still thinking that you're a positive um, dualistic being, then really you've wasted your time reading this far.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yes. What are you doing in chapter twenty-two with us? What are you doing in chapter twenty-one with us?
1: <laughs> I know exactly. So anyway, you know, <laughs> we'll move moving
0: on. <laughs> I would have thought you'd have gotten off the bus a long time ago. <laughs> long time ago, exactly. So, <laughs> so I love I love the way he's put this. He, he talks about you know getting back to positivism, and he says in in positivism. The uh, the scientists, I, I suppose, or the the positive positivistic thinkers, can see that there are absurdities in what they they're, they're proposing are the the rules of, of science, um, and the fact that you know they they formulated these on Aristotle Sotl and Bacon, and and you know these they're, they're resting ground however instead of saying oh look over here this this doesn't make sense there's maybe something else and looking to explore it they just cover their eyes and uh, pretend it doesn't exist And and I think that I mean he's said it before but it's it's so counterintuitive to what science puts forward as what we are we're here to you know explain everything and to discover things and to to investigate things and yet oh that doesn't look right pretend it doesn't exist it's like it's counterintuitive to what science is telling you they're doing. Um, it's like a
1: fish denying the existence of dry land. Yes, well put. Well put. Can we? Can I ask you a question? You're not going to spin over this wonderful demolition of the New Age, are you? I mean, the New Age I in his not. day was the words of spiritualism and dualistic Dualistic
0: spiritism. Spiritu- uh, spiritism.
1: Yeah, I'm I, not going to. Oh, I have coloured that orange. Oh, good because I I would be I would be dragging us back to that entire passage, uh, <laughs> bit by bit. Because I I love a demolition job. You know that. Yes,
0: <laughs> I, I I think it's best that that rather than paraphrase that I read that part are, because you know, okay know. it yeah, does feel so free. Well. So let's let's dissect what he said. So to start with spensky writes also in dualistic spiritism they attempted to construct the noumenal world on the model of the phenomenal now i understand in your book you don't have the word dualistic and uh i dare say there's a, a reason that spensky's taken that out
1: yeah it's because um people with their egos would read that and say well i'm a spiritualist this doesn't apply to me because I'm not one of those dualistic spiritualists that he's talking about. And they say that because they want to be free of the attack that he's going to bring to them right now. And also because they don't even understand what dualistic spiritualism is, because they probably won't have read this book. Mm,
0: And and at that time, I I dare say Espensky, you know, was at the, the beginning of when this spiritism was... Probably starting to gain a lot of popularity, and uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it was a big thing then. It was a big thing, along with the unfolding of the occult sciences and arts. You know, the the Golden Dawn Order in the late nineteenth uh, century was was virtually hitting its peak in, in nineteen twenty. You know, in the nineteen twenties, this was this was the golden age. This is the big time. Mm. You know, so the the really the really big names of the era were still there. Alistair Crowley, Dion Fortune, and so on, and, and others, and WB Yeats, and so on. And this, the lot, lots of the big names were still around, and, and reaching their peak. Alistair Crowley, obviously, top of that pile um, at that time. But, nevertheless, Theosophy was also really, really big, um, and which, is, which is where Ospensky was coming from. But there was still a lot of spiritism. People were going to seances. Spiritualist churches were, you know, opening everywhere. In fact, I live near to one of the great centres of spiritualism in the UK. Not far away, Longton. There's a spiritualist church in a town called Longton, which is one of the five towns of stoke on trent or the six towns of stoke on trent Not that far away from me. And that was, you know, all of this was going on there. And I think... The First World War accelerated spiritism. People had lost family members, and they were desperate. They wanted to know that there was some contact. I am going to see you again. You are on the other side.
0: Oh, yes, of course. And so that's where people would, you know, yeah, they're where they, I can see the name starts with N, 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 and then the other person goes, oh, that's my Ned. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's it's right. Like... Well,
1: well, well, Ned equals not Ned.
0: <laughs> <The middle laughs> and equals everybody yeah, <laughs> and equals <so> no one <laughs> at the same time
1: which we are going to come to in this chapter but you know yeah. I know that we are we just spent a long time dissecting why he's taking out dualistic spiritualism and, and he's called it just spiritism in, in my version it's so some of these spiritualists don't get to say well that doesn't apply to me Mine's real. What I what I'm doing is real, and and it's those other spiritists. I don't know who they are that you're talking about, but it's those other ones that, that must be wrong. And those frauds. D- yeah. Now you know he was he was being mathematically clever and philosophically clever by bringing dualism into it, and then he's realised he's giving these people a pass. He's giving them an opportunity to escape his opprobrium, and. He, did, he didn't want to give them a pass. He want, He wanted them all to understand. He's, I'm talking about you, spiritists.
0: And, yeah, and the dressing down continues. Yeah, so. carry, on, that, carry on. That is against reason, against nature. They wanted at all costs to prove that the other world is, and this is in italics, logical from our standpoint.
1: In other words, people wear the same clothes. They (laughs) they go to the same houses, and that and that even that heaven consists of Elysian fields and cloudless blue skies, and lambs lying down with lambs. And harps,
0: lots of harps. Yeah,
1: and it all looks like it would look in this world, only nicer. You know that uh, they really do want that to be the case, and that brings comfort to some people, which is why a lot of the spiritualist mediums and i'm not going to say all of them because how would i know but a lot of them were fake and were exposed as fake but at the same time if you're bringing comfort to somebody is that such a bad thing a doctor would give you a placebo and still charge you for it and if it he makes could. you feel and if it makes you feel well how is that any more acceptable than a fake spiritualist giving you emotional comfort and taking money for it for me no difference whatsoever
0: well, it's up to you and what you it, want to uh, what you want to rest your head on.
1: Well, I look at the therapeutic value of what goes on, and if somebody is comforted by the idea of Auntie Ethel coming to talk to them and, and saying everything's all right, oh, and she's wearing that purple dress. Did she wear a purple dress? Oh my God, that was her favorite dress. Yeah, you know, if that brings comfort to somebody, it's worthwhile. It has a therapeutic content. I have no problem with it. I do like though that Espensky does say. Um, Yes, it might bring comfort to some people and everything, but we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is that it is a a load of old tosh. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you you that want to go beyond the therapeutic value of it and actually investigate what it really is, what it really is, is a load of old tosh. When you're trying to bring the logic of the third dimension to other dimensional realms, um, it's not going to fit. You cannot put the saddle on that horse and expect it to fit. It doesn't. And I, I think I think he puts it really well, uh, Ispansky. He does.
0: That. And and just to finish the sentence, because it's a very long one, yeah, that the same so so basically that logical from our standpoint that the same laws of causality operate just as in our world, and that the other world is nothing more than an extension of ours. So it's basically what you just said.
1: Yeah, and what would be ridiculous, wouldn't it, would be that if that was the case, because what would be the point of living or dying on this world? There'd be absolutely no point, wouldn't there? Why, why, why wouldn't we all just stay in in, in that world?
0: Yeah, they're, they're, well, that's another story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know I know, I, yeah, I, I know it is, but I it, it again,
1: it's an absurdity. Uh, once you hit yeah. the absurdity, you know that you're on the, the cusp of where we're going.
0: Mm, mm. Speak of absurdities, uh, Spensky. Then
1: yeah, I was going to say, read that last, the next sentence, the end of the paragraph. I love this sentence.
0: The one saying modern theosophy.
1: Oh gosh, no, no. He says the the other world of spiritists or spiritualists in all existing descriptions of it is naive and barbaric concept of the unknown.
0: Now that's added. He's added that, and that's yeah, wonderful. The, the, I love the, uh, that. The
1: other world of spiritists or spiritualists in all existing descriptions of it is a naive and barbaric concept of the unknown. You, that, that is a beautiful turn of phrase to describe uh, what is particularly absurd
0: I love it I love me too.
1: it too. and that's not and that's not in your version that's not in the no version. that
0: is not in my version and I dare say what he's done is he's not only taken dualistic out he thought he's going to get the knife and give it a bit of a twist at the end yeah <laughs> I, I was just going to say that
1: because what he's done is he's topped and tailed the entire paragraph hasn't he ripped out yeah. dualistic to get, so that nobody gets a pass and just in case some of them were left thinking well he's not referring to me he says oh yeah I am <laughs> I'm referring to all of <laughs> All of you, none of you escape this. When I s when I say when I say in all existing descriptions of it, I mean all of you. It's brilliant. I love it. Go on, Espensky. Get in there. Stick the boot in while they're down.
0: <laughs> I must say he does he he does it well. He does it well. And he's then he then moves on to giving uh, modern theosophy a bit of a uh, a mention as well he says, modern theosophy which began with the denial of dualistic theses as absurd came finally to their affirmation
1: well i've got to tell got you that? no he's taking that out
0: mm, because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me that, that's sort of saying that he's a, that that theosophy affirmed the spiritism which i don't Yeah think does. well
1: exactly and i think that's why he's taking it out and it doesn't and uh, modern theosophy you know mm, i mean There is a spiritual element to it, but I, you know, it's again, uh, there's there's modern theosophy and there's the hidden theosophy, and Mm. uh, it's like the the mystical view of Christianity and the outward view of Christianity. The outward view, of course, is the mainstream thing, and nobody hits at the, the mystical heart of Christianity, although in this very chapter, Uspensky does. So... But moving on, he starts off, just so that you know, he, 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 my next bit is positive philosophy. Yes. He starts off with by saying positive philosophy perceived the absurdity of all dualistic theses, but having no power to expand the field of its activity, limited by logic and the infinite sphere, it could think of nothing better than to deny. Mm. In other words, it approaches it, can't, can't describe it so it says it doesn't exist.
0: And that's pretty much what science has done. That's exactly right. And that sorts it out. It doesn't exist. And anyone who thinks it is, we're going to uh, call you an idiot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, I was interested in in this term, the infinite sphere. Now, it is in um, rabbit's ears. Um,
1: Yeah, it is. It's in quotes.
0: In quotes, sorry, yes. So... Is the, is, the, is the word infinite sphere or should it be finite sphere because he's saying it's limited by the infinite sphere and I would okay right well here's the problem
1: no, well here's the problem science will accept the concept of infinity and it's so all it will it will happily speak of the infinite universe while only being able to measure it in terms of it being finite. <laughs> So so, so that's why that's why that's why he's put that's why he's put this in quotes Uh, to to like to say yeah they're using the term infinite but they can only measure it and talk about it in terms of the finite so even though they use the word infinite we know that they're imbeciles for doing so and they think that we're imbeciles and that we're not going to spot the absurdity of their using that term when they will only use finite terms to quantify anything and then deny the infinite. When, when they're placed in, when it's placed in front of them. <laughs> so I, 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 think that's why he's put that in quotes. I think that's why he's put it in quotes. Yeah. yeah
0: that makes sense. And, and of course he has capitalized deny. He's, he's, he's yeah, not letting
1: it, that yeah. go. No, he hasn't. He says, you know, you, 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 just deny it, don't you? You, just because you don't get it, because you can't talk about it, you deny it. Well, that's like the, the attitude of a, of a truculent toddler. Not, not even. A
0: cunning savage would do such a thing.
1: What's <laughs> less simple woman. than simple woman? <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: and let's not even get to the four-year-old Charles' point of view on this I was,
1: <laughs> I was about to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it never gets old. Never gets it old. It doesn't. It does None of those <laughs> to me,
1: and I'll never stop it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, I dare say so the next bit is he's going well. Okay. So, these spiritists and, uh, positivists are all ridiculous. However, mystical philosophy is that, that beacon of light because, as he says, mystical philosophy alone felt the possibility of relations other than those in the phenomenal world. And to this we shall come to the end of all ends and, uh, well, actually, he then goes on to say, after long wanderings in materialistic, spiritualistic, and neo-theosophic labyrinths.
1: He doesn't say any of that in mine.
0: Is that right? Mm. Because then he italicises, science must come to mysticism. Yeah,
1: well, he didn't need that sentence. He, he just I mean, it's quite clear that he didn't. He says it all, hes he's, he's now becoming much more concise. I like it, too.
0: Yeah. So, what does what he, he say? Said... Does he talk
1: about mystical philosophy at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah, he does. I mean, in, in my my version, the the you know the later version, he says mystical philosophy alone felt the possibility of relations other than those of the phenomenal world, but it was arrested by hazy and unclear sensations, finding it impossible to define and classify them. Now, that's an interesting sentence because it comes to this, um, and, and we're going to get onto that very soon that language cannot express, no language on earth can express what actually happens when you experience this threshold between 3D and the noumenal. And that's all he needed to say there, And and then he does follow on by saying, nevertheless, and this is in italics, science must come to mysticism, because in mysticism there is a new method, you know, and then he talks about studying of different forms of consciousness in other words of different forms of receptivity different from our own science should throw off almost everything old and should start afresh with a new theory of knowledge well good luck with that Ispensky it didn't happen it hasn't happened and if anything in the years since you were alive science has become more entrenched stupider than it ever was it is stupid science is so stupid it it beggars belief it's hard to breathe and talk about the stupidity of science at the same time because the stupidity takes over everything nothing is more ludicrous than modern science nothing and i mean nothing so i'm i'm taking your cudgel there youspensky and i'm beating them even harder with it
0: Yes, I, I I think you um you well when when um they come to you for the ed, the edit of this whole book as you know we have suggested I dare say yeah. repeat that word for word oh, yeah, <laughs> and add it in.
1: But it wants adding in.
0: Well, and it's interesting because this version does not have any of what you've just said, uh, even mm. even what you read verbatim as opposed to paraphrasing. So he has he has really pushed this this whole point yet again and and he in my version he makes i think a very good point he said science can't deny the fact that mathematics has grown to expand itself beyond the limits of the visible measurable world that's what comes next okay great so mathematics which science reveres as you know probably another science has even been able to look at it and go, well, look, there's this first mathematics that only applies to the phenomenal, but now we've got this second mathematics that applies beyond that. But science is still limited. It, it hasn't taken that same... No, but he
1: yeah, he says that, um, he calls it quantitative relations, and we need to mention it because what he means is what people think they know uh, as quantum mechanics now and, and quantum mathematics It's another one of those phrases like black holes and dark matter and Big Bang that everybody's heard of and they all think they know sort of what it is and they haven't got a bloody clue. They don't even understand that quantum refers to quantitative, measurable. And quantum mechanics has gone to the immeasurable. Once you start having to deal with uncertainty principles and the idea that a particle uh, becomes a wave just by the action of your subjective obs- observation of it. We're now into the realms of the non quantifiable, hence yes. all the squiggles on the blackboard and the gaps between them. The gaps are the abyss, by the way, uh, which we're going to come to again in this chapter.
0: Yeah, and we won't be skipping that over. I'll tell you now. No, 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 I I'm sure we won't. wouldn't dare skip that again. I
1: wouldn't <laughs> dare skip it again. If you, you skip over the abyss at your peril anyway, because it ties you, that, that means you'd be tied to the positive world.
0: That's right, and the,
1: world, the world of illusion. We're not going to be tied there. We will face the demon koronzon in the abyss.
0: Well, let's go there. Not yet. We're getting not there. yet though. Spens- Spensky is is, is uh, weaving his magic bit by bit, leading us along the path. So it, this is where Spensky is bringing mathematics back into the fore, and, and you know he's um, mostly referring to the second mathematics, but he does um, mm-hmm. okay. he does call it. Uh, the telescope, by the aid of which we can investigate space of many dimensions, and I think uh, I, I think that's a, a nice way of uh, explaining this second type of mathematics.
1: That's a phrase which doesn't need any explanation. I think everybody can understand that. You know, it's a it's a nice little analogous phrase. What about the three lines that go before it? Did they not exist in your book?
0: Tell me what they say
1: there cannot be any mathematical relations to which the relation of some realities would not correspond.
0: I do have For that. Yes, I skipped why, it. Let's go can, back. Can then. I ask
1: why you would skip that? Can, I just want to ask, because uh, I'm interested in what you think is so obvious about that that we don't need to talk about it.
0: Well, probably nothing other than I zeroed in on the italicized parts which were telescope and space of many dimensions and therefore uh, probably lost in translation okay well the reason parts. that so i'm bringing back to it yeah, yeah the reason
1: i'm bringing us back to it is because you were so proud of him for bringing mathematics in as though that as though mathematics as part that connects can you be used to explain the 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 other worlds no he's not he's he's destroying mathematics here that that sentence There cannot be any mathematical relations to which the relation of some realities would not correspond. Basically, the only mathematics we've got that's quantitative uh, still relates us to the positivistic world. So so we need a new mathematics that doesn't relate to it, and we don't have it yet. Mathematicians understand that there is something beyond where they they are able to go, and that's still the case even to this day. Like I say, when you see the blackboards in their in their um, uh, research labs and and their um, I don't know their galleries where their students come to watch them talk about stuff that none of us understand, there are gaps and the gaps are filled by unicorns. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean black holes and dark matter. Those gaps are the abyss, and mathematics does recognise that there are gaps, but then it tries to fill the gaps with positivistic things like black holes and dark matter. And that's that's the problem. And he understands when he says this: there cannot be any mathematical relations to which the relation of some realities would not correspond.
0: So, do you have the sentence that follows that that says therefore, therefore mathematics,
1: mathematics tra- transcends the limits of our world and penetrates into a world unknown, which it does, but we don't have the symbols and the equations that can put it there yet. It will. There will be a mathematics, but it won't look like ours now.
0: And this is his second mathematics he's talking about. The mathematics, yeah, that's the
1: that's internet. right. Yeah. yeah, and and we're still struggling with it. And that's the point. And I've said before in these podcasts, the only people in science, and I consider mathematics to be science, the only people that are honest in the whole scientific world are those cosmologists and quantum mechanic researchers that understand that there's something missing and are desperately trying to find a way to explain with the language and the terms and the symbols that we have at our disposal that unknowable, unspeakable thing. They are the only honest people working in, in the field of science in the world today. And and I will back that yeah. up and I will debate that with anybody.
0: And the fact that Aspensky refers to, to that a hundred
1: years ago, says that they're still looking a hundred years later. Yeah. Oh, and like we nowhere, haven't got there the in a hundred years. <laughs> no nearer to finding it, by the, by the no. way. No matter which yes. direction, because we, we go in different paths. The research is going in path after path. After. We tried that way. Now let's try this road. Now let's try that road. And we keep coming across the abyss. And as he's going to explain in this very chapter, there's a reason why they're, they're going to struggle and, in fact, they'll never, ever get to fill in those gaps between the blackboards. There's a reason. And we're going to come to that later. Jam tomorrow, everyone. <laughs>
0: I love that. <laughs> okay. So uh, Spensky's point is it is impossible to n- to deny all this, even from a stri- uh, strictly positivistic, i.e. positive standpoint. So, yep. you know, he's, he's basically saying that they know they can't explain it. That's why they just deny it. They know they can't explain it. Yeah, um, I
1: think this this entire pa- uh, paragraph here, if yours is the same as mine, it explains itself. But I wouldn't want to leave it out. I so think. I think. Would it, you like, it like it to? Does, would you like yeah, to read sure. what you've got? Yeah. In my version, and it might be the same as yours. He says, "Thus, science." Having admitted the possibility of the expansion of mathematics beyond the limits of the sensuously perceived world, that is, beyond the limits of a world accessible, though theoretically, to the organs of sense and their mechanical aids, must thereby recognise the expansion of the real world, in italics, far beyond the limits of any infinite sphere, in quotes, or of our logic In other words, must recognise the reality of the world of many dimensions. And he's right. Now here's the problem. All he's asking science to do is recognise that that world beyond the 3D positivistic world exists. He's not asking them to explain it. He's not saying do the impossible and explain it. Just, just understand that every everything that mathematics does leads us to the understanding that there's something beyond and there's something that we can't as yet explain because we don't have the language or the symbols to do it. All he's doing is saying accept that there's something that we at the moment cannot know. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask of science and yet science then and even worse now will not even go down that road which which I find is ludicrous and this is why I have such a downer on science. Science actually holds us back as a species. As humanity it holds us back. I don't give a damn about the perceived 3D benefits of science. It holds us back from where we could be.
0: And why would it do that? Power, well, because, I would say. You know,
1: I was going to say, because there, there, are, there are those that have, first of all, instituted the Royal Society, which was the start of this nonsense. And you know, where are we? We are now slaves. Slaves to an economy based on science. The Industrial yeah. Revolution, capitalism, all based on science and positivistic mathematics and the models that go around it. Anyway, that's, that's a totally different story. Ospensky wasn't talking about that. But it is the case.
0: And it's interesting because a hundred years ago, he could see this, this power basis cult. Now, so a hundred yeah. years on, it's only just gotten bigger and, and bad, oh, yeah. hasn't it? Oh I mean, yeah. You know,
1: people revering scientists. Honest to And um, uh, why do you think that the inventor of dynamite, of all things, um, used this for, was, you know, was told to use his fortune to set up something that idolizes scientists? Alfred Nobel the Nobel Prize it's the oh same guy God. so you know um, but that fortune uh, was used to develop something that actually makes the cult of science religion we then have high priests who are announced every year do we not mm. is, is, is there a cult do people worship these idols yeah they do And and people who are more intelligent will then Will then debate whether the worthiness or not of whoever received the Nobel Prize for Chemistry or Physics or whatever this year. It's the same damn thing, and it's the same damn cult, and it's trying to catch everybody. Uh, Spensky isn't talking about that. You know, it's now been said, uh, but we should move on. Uh, He is Mm -hmm. he is hammering science enough as it is, and and we we should we should go back.
0: Let's move on. So Spensky. The next, well, the next little paragraph I think is worth reading out and uh, it's basically saying that we recognise the world of many dimensions by accepting the absurdity of our reality. So Spensky writes, the recognition of the reality of the world of many dimensions is the already accomplished transition and already accomplished is italicised to and understanding of the world of the wanderers. I I think what he's saying is that that experience of the wondrous is a a clue that you're actually uh, seeing the reality of the new world.
1: In other words, you won't recognise it until you've done it. Mm. You cannot recognise it from this dimension because there's no way, there is no way of explaining it.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think that's what he's termed the wondrous is. It's like it's probably the easiest word he's got in the English language or any language.
1: There's a reason why he's used a lot of different definitions for the world outside of 3D in this chapter in particular. And it's because if you read ancient texts and medieval texts, um, on, of people that have actually tried to describe this, you're going to see these terms, all the terms that he uses in this chapter. The Wondrous, that's used as well, that's used.
0: One of those words will have some sort of meaning. Yeah,
1: resonance for somebody. Yeah, that's it. Everybody that reads this chapter will, f- will hit something that says, ah, yeah, I, oh that relates to X, Y, Z. That's what he wants. And he's doing it all the time. It's great.
0: Yeah, I like. Oh, well, I like the term "the wondrous," and he says, and this transition to the wondrous is impossible without the recognition of the reality in italics of new logical relations, which are absurd from the standpoint of our logic. So you you can't you can't get there using the logic that we apply to yeah. a phenomenal world. And uh, he then goes on to explain what these laws of logic are, and uh, he says, "What what are the laws of our logic?" They are the laws of our receptivity of the three-dimensional world, or, in italics, the laws of our three-dimensional receptivity of the world. Mm,
1: okay, right. So, just just a quick one, because I know that that's important. He's differentiated between our receptivity of the three-dimensional world, or the laws of our three-dimensional ref- receptivity of the world.
0: And I think that's a great distinction because he's, in essence, making it very clear that the world has nothing to do with the way we perceive it. That's right.
1: But he's, you know, the laws of receptivity of the three-dimensional world or our three-dimensional receptivity of the greater world. You know, in other words, the reality beyond 3D.
0: Yes, the real (laughs) <laughs> because the, because
1: obviously the real world does, as he has spent chapter after chapter demonstrating, poke its finger into 3D, and that's what we perceive as reality, and it's not. You know the the idea that we see see an object in our 3D world, and we say, oh, that's an object in its own right, and what all we're seeing is the tip of a finger of something much greater poking into three the third dimension.
0: Yes. Yeah, and, you know, and and that's why I think he he took great pains, and for you, it was pain talking was. about a two dimensional being because it it gave a concept.
1: Yeah, yeah I know, of but that. I I only, I only needed to be told once.
0: Yeah, honest we, to God, we, we've gone, we've gone through this, Pete. Once know. was enough. We know you suffered, you suffered for I your did,
1: art. I did, but I did, <laughs> and, we, and we're now into the art, so let's let, let's keep going. Let's
0: let's get on with it. So, so then he's he's talking about. You know, if we want to escape the three dimensional world and go farther, the three dimensional principles will just drag us back.
1: You know why, and you know why they'll drag us back because we'll continually try to apply our three D logic to something where it won't apply, and so that three yeah. D logic will drag us back to this world just by the very um, just by having it there in our consciousness, and we won't be, we will stop experiencing what what's actually happening now. This is why your first experience of anything beyond this world is momentary. It's instant. It's a flash of perception. We've been through this before in this book. Yeah. He's mentioned it. Uh, and every ancient text, every ancient philosopher, and we're going to go on to that later in this chapter too, mentions exactly the same experience. For example, um, certain Buddhist texts will will use the, the word sartori. To ex, ex, uh, explain this flash of experience of the noumenal world the moment that you have that flash your conscious mind your 3d conscious mind tries to explain it in terms of the 3d world and that drags you right back so Sartori is a is, is an instantaneous gone today here today gone tomorrow experience and by the way by tomorrow I mean in an instant
0: yeah now, now he gets down to some nitty gritty. He says, first of all, you know, if, if we if we want to transcend the three dimensional, we have to throw off the chains of our logic.
1: Yep. To get to this new place, we just got to throw off the 3D logic. Um, and then the important and then the important bit is where he actually next says, "This is how you do it." He says, "Not only is this transition possible, but it's ac- it's accomplished constantly." In other words, we do this all the time. So basically, if we throw off the chains of our logic, yep. we're going to it enables us to make this transition, a transition that is not only possible but it is accomplished constantly, although unhappily we're not entirely conscious of our rights in another world and often sacrifice these rights regarding ourselves as limited. But the the interesting point is he does tell us how to get there. He says paths nevertheless exist. Now this is is the bit that people are interested in because we've had a big book telling us how we've all been thinking everything wrong. How do we start how do we start seeing the truth? Now he's telling us. Here are the paths. They are there. They've been there for thousands of years. People have spoken of them and let's have a look at how you get there. Because that's what we're we So are now. what
0: are they then? Poetry? Mysticism. Mm-hmm. The idealistic philosophy of all ages and peoples preserve the traces of such transitions. Following these traces, we ourselves can find the path.
1: Everybody that's tried to do this and and has succeeded has tried to leave a pathway for you. There are writings... We understand that the language is inadequate, but there are techniques that you can follow. There's advice that you can take, and if you if you look at these ancient and modern thinkers, you'll find the keys. By the way, modern. When he says modern, um, if you if people are not familiar with ancient history and and classics, then understand that modern is pretty much anything after the classical era of latin so we're talking about anything after maybe like three four hundred a.d so medieval thinkers and um, thinkers in the middle ages and by the way just in case anybody isn't familiar medieval and medieval uh, ages and middle ages are not the same (laughs) era; they're not so the reason i'm giving people this understanding is that we're not just talking about aristotle here and people of his era or before we're talking about people before him certainly but we're also talking about people of the modern era he means people like Kant and Schopenhauer yes you know yeah so when we uh, and even Hinton (laughs) I had to get that in (laughs)
0: yes well yes you had to get that in but yeah I think what he's saying and I, I from the next paragraph or so, he says, You know, these, these writers, these philosophies have been there. They've given us the keys.
1: Yes, this is it. Read that bit. Great line.
0: Okay, so. Um,
1: I'll do it. Ancient and modern thinkers have given us many keys with which we may open mysterious doors, many magical formulae before which these doors open of themselves. Some of these keys have come to us in allegorical form and in the form of stories, which have then, over time, because nobody wants the whole of humanity to grab hold of these keys and access this extra world, they've been We They've been turned into stories that we say, oh, these are stories for children. What the hell do you think happens in the thousand and one nights? when Ali Baba goes to the cave and says open sesame what do you think the word abracadabra is do you think that's just some drivel that somebody made up one day good luck with that carry on carry on in your positivistic world and enjoy being restricted and feeling that you never a success and that if only you could win the lottery things would be better keep going on and, and think that abracadabra and open sesame are just childish words that somebody made up on the spur of the moment and no meaning whatsoever keep going because they're not these things are everywhere these keys are everywhere sometimes like in fairy stories again you know even that term fairy stories sometimes even in folk mythology they're hidden in plain sight there was a time when they weren't even hidden at all that the storytellers would Make sure that you understood what what was being stimulated in your psyche by even just listening to these stories. So anyway, so yeah, those formulas are there; they are there, and they've been given to us, and we can open the the doors with these keys if only we understood them as keys.
0: Yeah, and as Bensky says, we've either not understood the purpose of the keys or the meaning of the formulae. So, as you say, that they they're there in plain sight, but. We haven't kind of copped on.
1: Well, on purpose because because we they've been belittled. Mm. For that reason. oh, they're just childish stories. Well, let me tell you, I if I deconstructed, for example, the story of Snow White for you and put it in alchemical terms, you'd understand. But that's not for this podcast.
0: Yeah. So th- this is and this is the bit that I think is really exciting. He says, you know. We've lost the understanding of magical ceremonies and rites of initiation into mysteries which had a single purpose to bring this transformation in the soul of man.
1: It isn't a case that we've just lost them. They've been purposely belittled. In other words, magical rites have become associated with cunning savages. I on, because there's more. But wait, there's more.
0: I'm waiting. We
1: We then have this dilemma and the dilemma pretty much occurred um when napoleon went to egypt and i mean are you aware that the pyramids were not unearthed in modern times until then they haven't always stood proud on the giza plateau they were covered completely oh. in sand yeah
0: well i didn't know that no i didn't
1: right <laughs> yeah. so okay so that all be and and literally the the academic discipline Known as archaeology, was virtually born around then. So we have a problem then, because what we've done is regi- relegated magic to the realms of um, absurdity or the the domain of savages. Okay, they have these silly ceremonies, and they're dancing around a fire, and they think that they can do this, that, and the other, and they're just savages. But you've got a real problem then. Once we start unearthing um, ancient Egypt, real problem what's that problem well these people are very very sophisticated I mean to to the point of stupidity so how do we explain what we believe to be their religious practices rites of initiation and so on and mysteries and their their multiple gods their pantheism of gods and their hybrids and so on how do we explain all this well guess what we do we do what science always does, and we deny it. We actually deny the paradox. They are very sophisticated, very advanced people technologically. And so we'll just brush over with the, the fairy stories that they believe in because, you know, that's the way it is. We have a, It does provide a big problem. Those rights do exist. And what's great about Egypt is we have most of them, and people do follow them. I know yeah. people that have followed them and they they are a large basis of the the revival of the or, the mystical orders that um, reappeared in the late 19th century there's a lot of egyptian work in um, for example the order of the golden dawn but it is interesting that when Spensky talks about these magical formula and he says we've lost he's being kind he will have known that they were buried and he also knows and he does that there are parts of the world where they're not buried and this is pretty much the mystical east which his great friend for a time Gujieff explored and brought all of that mysticism back so, so it's really interesting I like that we've not understood either the purpose of these keys or the meaning of the formula and we've lost the understanding of magical ceremonies and rites I think this is brilliant and especially rites of initiation into mysteries which had a single purpose to help this transformation in the soul of man. The transformation in the soul of man is a very 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 concise and yet says everything about the meaning and the definition of the word alchemy. That's it. Not this childish denigration oh it's turning lead into gold and then of course the positives say that can't be done and then the chemists say well actually it can (laughs) and they can they can do it Um, it would cost more to do that than it does cost to actually find and dig out actual gold but it can be done but that isn't the purpose of alchemy anyway um, the purpose is this transformation in the soul of man by the way once the transformation has been achieved you can turn anything into anything anyway you could you could make gold appear at your feet pile of it if you wanted to that's the, that's the point the other point is that thus transformed you wouldn't you would no longer want to do that <laughs> it would be meaningless to you to you
0: it'd be Yeah, it would be staying right down in the third dimensional world, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, but honestly, little passages like that, you know, the the rites of initiation into the mysteries, which had a single purpose to help this transformation in the soul of man. Those are the bits that um, tell you that Espensky is talking about something in this book that is a great deal more important than... Really, the technical explanations that he gives page after page after page that 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 yeah. little line alone gives you the value for reading the book it, if if you if you really are interested in having the experience rather than just mentally reading a book and going, oh yeah that makes sense and then carrying on with your 3d positivistic life for those of of you that that are going to take this this book the information in this book as a starting point to transform your own life It's phrases like that that count, those little phrases. In your own versions, underline phrases like that because that's what this is all about, accessing and experiencing the numinal world because anybody that says, well, why would I want to do it anyway? This is why. This is why.
0: Yeah. I mean, these clues haven't been left for no reason, have they? Not at all, no. Bottom line. All right. So Spensky continues to say the doors remain closed and uh, we we even denied that there was anything whatsoever behind them.
1: Well, we've got the doors and we can stand in front of them and we can say, open sesame. And when we do, and the door is opened, we are going to find a limitless, infinite treasure in there. You see how these stories work now?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, okay, I'm going to suggest something to you now. Um, the the listeners won't um, know, but you do, and it 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 comes to this point. I've done um, hypnotic work with you, where I took you on what I called a journey to the gold mine. You did. You remember? I do. Did. did you find anything in the gold mine? We went. You 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 chose the door to open in your unconscious mind, and you went in, didn't you? I did. The red door hmm. I chose. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, I, you know, I, I let you understand that you would have choices, and your unconscious mind would make the right one for you at that moment. What do you think we were doing there? What do you think that whole journey was, with all the symbolism that I put into it?
0: Yeah, I, I felt it was a journey into my uh, subconscious, but, mm. um, but what really? I found
1: mm-hmm. when
0: I did that journey with you was something within myself. Mm that
1: opened the door i actually opened the box but okay he's he the yeah he is the interesting thing you found the key basically what whatever it was you found was a key now yes. and that, and that's what we talk about key is an allegorical symbol language can't describe what happens as we're going to come to but that's what happened with you now un- interestingly enough yeah i went into my unconscious mind first of all we ha- we have to describe the experience in terms of duality True. You are you are separate. Your unconscious is separate, but it isn't, is it? Remember the the metaphor he gave us earlier on about the drop of water dropping into the ocean. It's actually the other way around yes. <laughs> The ocean goes the into ocean, the drop of water. The ocean pours into the drop. That's the experience that you get on that particular hypnotic journey and all the other journeys that I do, where I just take you into a guided uh, um, tour into your unconscious so that you can find the keys to get exactly what you want at that one time
0: and the interesting thing is what I found in in that room in that box that I opened I still have a connection to yeah and that's
1: the important thing right mm. yeah you found what you needed because what we need is always there
0: yeah and uh, I know if I if I explained that to many people they would say oh that's your imagination. Or trivialize um, it down to, yeah. you know, that's that's a bit of a story. However, I know for a fact that it was a very powerful thing that I found, and mm. and I have used it ever since. Mm. And it's worked, hasn't and it? Mag- magic has happened, absolutely. Well, here's,
1: here's the other thing. Um, I love that. You know, people would just say, "Oh, it's just your imagination." <laughs> what do you mean, just? How do we? How can we? How, when did we get to trivialize the imagination? I tell you something, and psychologists will tell you this too researchers into psychology and certainly as a hypnotist any hypnotist will tell you whenever there is a contest between your imagination and what you think you want your imagination wins every time and by the way when i say every time i mean a hundred percent of the time it's it's that simple Mm. so just your imagination uh no the imagination is one of the greatest tools
0: you have and one that science has trivialized to, oh, that's just imagination. That's Yep, Charles that's player. right.
1: Because it's not rational. How about this? When I hypnotize somebody so that their hands are stuck together, or whatever I do, or hands stuck to their head, what is it that you think sticks their hand together? Nothing that I do. It's their imagination. I just stimulate that imagination. They imagine that their hands are stuck together. And until, until I then uh, tell them to stop imagining that, it's stuck together that's how powerful the imagination is Mm. if i tell somebody to forget their own name and they do forget their own name until i tell them to remember it again that's because they've imagined not knowing it i do lovely little tricks like that i i I enjoy it i get a kick out of it you know i tell people (laughs) that they i tell people that they they they, they'll forget the numbers seven and five and then have them counting up to ten and back and they miss them out every time and everybody's peeing themselves laughing when they're watching it it's it never it never gets old for me, <laughs> but it's imagination. That's how powerful the imagination is. It can make transformations in your life.
0: That's the thing. These keys. These are keys mm, we, we have in ourselves already. We do, but we we don't know what to do with them until some something happens where we go, oh god, that's a that's a that's a key and. I think it was very interesting that you said, you know, that was when I said, oh, it's um, into my subconscious, that's, you know, being a bit dualistic. And that's exactly what Spensky is saying here. He says our, our obstacle, our chief obstacle in our path for this is the division of uh, the world into this world and that. And that, that, yeah. Yeah, it's that duality.
1: So we have to imagine ourselves as the, the drop to start with and then understand the ocean filling us. <laughs> or
0: something like that. <laughs> and this is um, this is what he says. The world is one. The ways of knowing it alone are different. I think that is I,
1: really important. Can I read the next sentence in my book, which I hope is in yours?
0: Yes, please do.
1: He said... This is in italics. The world is one. And when he's talking about world, he means the everything, not the 3D world, although it is. Uh, he means the everything. Only the ways of knowing it are different. And with imperfect methods of knowledge, it is impossible to penetrate into that which is accessible to perfect methods only. In other words, we can't use the tools of the 3D world to access the greater world, as it were. And he, yes. and, and he, he, I'll just quickly say that he further says all attempts to penetrate mentally into that higher noumenal world or world of causes by means of the logic of the phenomenal world, if they did not fail altogether or did not lead to castles in the air, gave only one result. That. Now, hold on, because. I didn't want to read that much but the sentence didn't end and I ended up reading it all attempts to penetrate mentally in other words you cannot think your way into this numeral world you have to go into a world of experience and experience not of the five sentences it's not enough to read a book and say do you know what I accept that I accept that there is this greater world out there this infinity blah 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 I'm going to sit under a tree forever and if i think this it'll happen if i do it's not going to happen
0: no
1: you have you actually have to shut off the mental faculty it's what we would in psychology or or particularly in hypnosis hypnosis we would call it the conscious mind again we're using duality we're differentiating between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind but we're only differentiating in terms of function. The conscious mind does have a function. We know it's part of your mind, the greater whole of the, the mind of consciousness. But we do differentiate it. Well, you've got to switch that off. And it doesn't mean necessarily being empty-headed. Uh, it, but you, you really do have to stop, that, stop concentrating on that chatter. I would actually say if you focus mentally on stopping that chatter, you're going to struggle to do it.
0: Well, as soon as you realize you've done it, you've thought
1: yeah exactly because because you're using you you know you're you're trying to push it away and fill it with something else you know that we've done it
0: well i think that's where chanting that they use chanting to occupy the conscious mind they do
1: there's a frequency and there, there is there's a vibration that you can stimulate by using well it is a particular frequency um trying to remember what frequency it is in hertz i can't but the funny, the, the, the point of it is, is that this is how it sounds. It, you'll get it if you use a shamanic drum, and you get the vortex of the sound. And what it sounds like is, um. You heard that anywhere?
0: I have heard that many places.
1: And of course you have, because this is the chanting that's done by Buddhist monks, particularly. Um. But it sounds, if you have a shamanic drum, and you're drumming, I'll tell you... Uh, a good pattern would be for three to four beats per second <themes Laser thinking> what you'll happen what will happen is that you will switch off the do 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 will occupy your conscious mind and it won't be able to make anything of it and what you'll start hearing is the resonating sound which doesn't go to a drum beat it becomes a continuous sound and it sounds like um it's exactly the same thing you're getting the same result anybody can access this stuff keys are right there occupies the conscious mind so that you can open the doors or roll away the rock open sesame to access the unconscious the unconscious is your understanding of the collective the the great whole and that's where you go Anyway, we've gone way off
0: track. We haven't really. Um because oh, we've okay. <laughs> because as you read all attempts to penetrate mentally into that higher noumenal world, a world of causes means uh, by means of logic of uh, the phenomenal world will fail. So, you know, that's what you're saying if if mm. you let that that thinking mind try and work it out, you're not going to get there because and he says it will lead to castles in the air because you'll make stuff up to yep. fit into a three-dimensional framework
1: so, that's right
0: mm-hmm. Um and uh, to finish that that sentence you know is in becoming conscious of a new order of things a man lost the sense of the reality of the old order
1: if you were to penetrate this there's a good check and, and have the experience and if you came back and it's a big if a lot of people come back and it's like wow what was that flash of sartori i i understand the infinite now i i'd like to repeat it and i'd like to i'd like to experience it for longer or whatever it is that they have and most people come back and it's like but and then they just get back on with the 3d world that they're in at the same time intellectually knowing that there's something fake about it some people come back and they cannot see the 3d world as it as they used to see it and that's where they become paranoid and, you know, they they are what what most of society would call loonies, mentally ill. What a shame for them. Some people will be compassionate, but nobody will understand that is a person that's seen reality and you are living in an illusion. And in fact, even when they're seeing you, <laughs> they understand that you, as, <laughs> as a separate entity, are an illusion too. So they'll be frightened. That's where the paranoia will come from. Anyway, nevertheless, that's what does happen. And he, he actually explains it really, really well. This is this dreadful feeling, this horror, this, the feeling of something that's so terrifying that's touched you that you go mad. By the way, plenty of um, examples of people being horrified into madness by what they experience in the 3D world, let alone anything else. So, you know, not, not even a contentious thing. He's saying that you'll get it by touching the, the numinous too if you're not careful. It's quite a possibility.
0: And he'd know that. It's interesting stuff, isn't it? Okay, so Pete, we're going to leave it there and continue with the next part of uh, chapter 21 next week. Thanks so much for joining me again, and having a rollicking good discussion.
1: Yeah, well, the fact of it is, you know, you could go on forever with these, things. There's so many points in the chapters of this book. I mean, we can you remember, we started out with the idea that we do a chapter a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that didn't work out did it but you know um we end up i think sometimes we go round in circles but then so does Spensky. the it's it's yet it's the simplest subject on earth to discuss and yet because of the way that it's been framed by so many people with good or bad intentions along the way down history there's a million different ways of approaching it so it, it does it it does expand as we start talking about it. It's
0: a good fun. Yeah, life. absolutely. Yeah, and I'm, I'm loving this chapter. as oh, well, I love the book. That's no secret. Yeah, so, uh, yeah it's been good. <laughs> so thanks again, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening.
1: Yeah, bye-bye now.